and sieves, you're tuned to the guard frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 63 and was recorded on March 14th and made available for download March 17th at guardfrequency.com. I'm Tony. I'm Jeff. And I'm Lennon. So what do we have this week, Lennon? Well, in this week's school box, we've taken a look out into space and it turns out it's full of water. Well, in a, in a couple of spots anyway. In CIG News, we bring you everything that's been happening around the UEE, including our weekly crowdfunding update, all the latest info coming out of PAX East, news on Descendant Studios' Kickstarter project, and 10 for the Chairman, episode 56. In this week's Nuggets for Nuggets, we talk all about the Aegis lineup. And finally, we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. We've added a new feature to our website, GuardFrequency.com, a Patreon campaign button. We've got a variety of rewards and backer levels, but essentially, if you know how Kickstarter works, you're most of the way there. Of course, we're happy to share our labor of love with you each week free of charge. But it's nice to get the occasional concrete reminder that folks out there in the verse love listening to the show as much as we love making it. Thanks to everybody who's already chipped in, and we hope that you consider making a regular contribution. The more support we get, the better show we can make. That takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get to the show and see what's coming through the squawk box. Hey, you boys, need a carrier around here? Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. Crypto, crypto, crypto. This is Tony saying welcome to the squawk box, everyone. Most planets are just hunks of rock or balls of gas. The galaxy is a pretty barren and desolate place when you get right down to it. Thanks, Colonel. You're always such a beam of sunshine. And while that quote may sum up Saul Tai's general outlook on life, reality may not be as bad as he makes it out to be. Just this week, news broke that not one but two moons in the outer solar system are absolutely soaked with H2O. And not just any old H2O, but the potentially life-sustaining kind. We're talking heat bath plus external energy source kind, as we covered in an earlier Squawk Box this year. Going in order from closest to farthest, we'll start with Ganymede, the largest moon in the solar system and the only one with its own magnetic field. This is important because while this Jovian satellite had always been a candidate for a subsurface ocean, there was never any way to prove it, until geophysicist Joachim Sauer used the Hubble Space Telescope to look at its auroras. These bands of light are products of charged particles interacting with the moon's magnetic field. They're also affected by Jupiter's magnetic field and, wait for it, the moon's internal composition. So by making careful observations and backing out all the interference, the team was able to calculate that Ganymede likely has a global subsurface ocean that contains more water than all of Earth's oceans. And as an added bonus, this method could, with a sufficiently powerful telescope, be used to find water-bearing exoplanets. Next up, Enceladus. This satellite of Saturn was also assumed to have a liquid subsurface ocean, but its famous geysers could have been the product of changes in surface temperature or tidal stresses moving the icy crust. A potential heat bath, but no certain source of energy. Well, no more. By analyzing tiny dust grains encountered by the Cassini probe as it flew through those geysers, Sean Siu from the University of Colorado was able to determine that the seafloor circulation of water over 194 degrees, or 90 degravations in the metrianical scale, was the most likely way these grains were produced. So there you are, your energy source to go with your heat bath. Excited yet? Oh, but wait, there's more! In what is a bit of old news, last month NASA gave a preliminary nod to the Europa Clipper. This deep space probe will be tasked with discovering the conditions for life, but not life itself, on Europa. Unfortunately, we don't have the technology yet to send a probe that deep into Jupiter's radiation belts long enough to reliably carry out a surface exploration. Even the Clipper's designers have to create an orbital dance that gives the probe breaks from the charged particle soup that surrounds the solar system's largest planet. But if all goes to plan with a 2022 launch, by 2025, we might find out if there's a primordial soup under all that radioactive soup. Well, I find it all fascinating, but it doesn't do us really a lot of good if we can't go there. It's not like we're going to be colonizing Europa anytime. No, not not yet, but I mean, you know, it's just radiation. I mean, come on, just, it's radiation. No big whoop. Just radiation. Right? We'll figure it out. You know, they'll probably find an obelisk on the, on Europa anyway, so... <laughs> they'll, they'll be like, oh, crap, we weren't supposed to land here. All these other worlds were ours. Dang it! But not this one. 
whenever I read stories like this, I've got to remind myself to not get excited. I really hold out hope that there is life elsewhere in the solar system, because a lot of people think that we've ruled out that possibility, but by no means. There are so many bodies out there that could contain water, could contain life. Like we were saying about Ceres last week, if it's in the right sort of place, it doesn't even necessarily need to be in this Goldilocks zone for humanoid life to mm. necessarily exist, because we've got stuff that's way deep in the oceans here on Earth yeah. that would quite happily survive in an environment like that so whenever i read stuff like this i start getting all excited that there could be more life out there and it's just i've got to remind myself they've found absolutely bugger all at the moment other than bit of water maybe but i do like that they were able to do this from the dust of a probe you know tiny tiny dust grains yeah and they're able to like follow. how the heck did this dust grain get out here in the middle of nowhere that's not supposed to be out here yeah what came from the geysers oh okay well how did it get in the geyser well we don't know. Okay, so let's do some experiments on it. And this it's a very particular chemical process. They determined you can only get a grain this size of this material if this is what's happening. So it's absolutely you know mind-boggling. And then the other one for uh, Ganymede, you get a big enough telescope and you can do this same process for oh, yeah. any planet anywhere, literally anywhere, as long as you have a telescope that can resolve the image. So, I mean, we can look for water anywhere now, which is pretty amazing. Well, I, I think there's water on Mars, too, hidden below the surface. Well, there, they may, there may be, but it's probably you know mostly ice. But there could be liquid water underneath there, but there's no magnetic field, so they can't do the Ganymede way, and of course there's no geyser, so they can't do it the Enceladus way. They can't look for it the Enceladus Which way. Which <coughs> requires a colony. Sign me up! <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought, I, thought we were, I thought we decided it was a retirement home. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, the other thing with Mars is they keep landing the rovers in the deserts, and we're never going to find Yeah, come I on. know. It's like, come on, guys. Jeez. Have you read, seen, or heard something you think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Now let's check out some CIG news. 3175 Port Bay, hands on approach, checker screen, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. Crowdfunding update for March 13, 2015, 75,099,000, up 500,000 from last week. We've added 34,000 star citizens since last week, up to 805,000. Nice job, PAX East. Way to be with the signups there. Good job. And the UEE fleet has grown by 6,000 ships, up to 645,000. A little more on the uh, spending money part there, PAX East people. I know you just got completely taken by all the convention people there, but, you know, hey, come on, pony up, come on, come on, come on. Yeah, well, I think they've actually got a plan there because they've got a free fly weekend, haven't they? Or a free, free oh, fly week, why. actually. Yes. That's why so no one's buying. buying but right, give it a week no. when their okay. Super Hornet gets taken away. I mean, when their Mustang gets taken away. <laughs> and they're going to want to go back in there, spend all their money. It'll all be good. Well, as you alluded to, this time of year is always a busy one for CIG as all the various expos kick off. And this week saw Chris give a presentation on Star Citizen at PAX East, where we learnt a lot of good info about the upcoming FPS module, the future of Star Citizen, and more importantly, when we can expect to get our grubby little pools on it. The presentation itself is now available for your viewing pleasure on the RSI website and is a little under 45 minutes long. Just to give you all a very quick overview though of what we can look forward to, the patching system is to be renamed from Arena Commander 1.1 to Star Citizen 1.1. A new damage state engine means better looking damage at a fraction of the resource cost. The Retaliator is very soon to be hangar ready. The FPS module will be renamed Star Marine and now features better motion capture two maps, Gold Horizon Platform and the Astro Arena, which is a legally separated from Ender's Game, not quite the Battlesphere type map, and we should be getting it by the end of the month. Looking towards the future, the current schedule looks like in early April we will be getting the social module, and they will be giving a demo of that next week at South by Southwest. In the middle of 2015, we will see Arena Commander 2.0, or, you know, should that really now be Star Citizen 2.0, which is the multi-crew multiplayer mode. And at the end of 2015, Squadron 42 will see its first episodes released, and we should have a demo of the Persistent Universe featuring the first few systems, takeoff and landing, and interstellar travel. Ooh. Yes. Yeah, I still think Star Marine, we're still looking at April for Star Marine. Oh, I, I reckon so, without a doubt. 
you you mentioned Ender's Game, and that's the first thing I drew a conclusion of when I thought, "Hey, wait, this is Ender's Game." When I saw the Battle Sphere play in the Pax D demo, <laughs> ah, but that's but that's where you're wrong, Jeff. And I, I believe Tony will you know help to reinforce this point. But if that's we, right, if it was Ender's so, Game, that would be copyright infringement. No, yes, no. so this clearly is not it's not Ender's Game. Yes, no. because because we know we all know that half of CIG is a well-respected and well-trained Hollywood intellectual property lawyer, and he would certainly not let his company get anywhere near that kind of <laughs> obvious infringement. Yeah. Well, I, I, <laughs> this comes from a lesser Japanese work known as Gender's Aim. Ah, right, yeah, okay. Uh, okay. Which they have purchased full rights to. Yeah. Yeah, completely, uh, completely locked those up, yes. Uh, clearly. I mean, you know, it's inspired by an homage to, perhaps. <laughs> which we you know, know is Harrison French for ripples. Yeah, if again, well, well, let's see. Two obvious. opposing ends, a bunch of cubes and other you know geometrical shapes it's, it's, inside it's, it's, the it's, center it's, of it, and a sphere and weightlessness. I, I'm sorry, but that's all Ender's Game. <laughs> detail, surface details. <laughs> I'm sure we're going to find examples of prior art somewhere in the science fiction literature out there that depicts virtually the same thing. I'm certain. What would, it, what it would take is somebody actually caring about that. If, but I, I don't see any competing products, and Ender's Game has ever been turned into a video game. And uh, speaking of things that aren't quite, you know, what they might appear to be, the Rex store is going to be known as Electronic Access, with an emphasis on the E and the A. And apparently mm. this, this Electronic Access, this EA, used to be a big player in the Simpod sort of arena, until they got bought out by Original Systems. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh, there's yes. a switch. Oh, yes. I love it. And the creators of Star Marine, the FPS module, are a, a little-known company called Interdimensional. Emphasis there being on the I and the D. And if you look at the cover of Star Marine for your Simpod, you'll see it says Star Marine in big letters, and then there's a guy stood up there with a BFG, if you will, stood pointing down towards the enemies below. Very reminiscent of, uh, you know, something from the 20th century possibly by the name of doom but again that would be copyright infringement so it's definitely not it's doom. definitely not that definitely not that i'm sure there's it's an homage prior art it's uh <laughs> it's an homage. well but speaking of homages but not really what did you think of that that latest beauty from aegis dynamics oh it is lovely the retaliator the reworked retaliator oh my gosh yeah. oh. it is fantastic yeah uh, rumor has it that the retaliator is now in the PTU system, but it still needs some work. I guess the command area and the turrets aren't accessible yet, and the interior is still a little bare bones, but it's in. So uh, those of you with retaliators, patch up your PTU. Yeah, I'm thinking of how much I can spend this year. <laughs> <laughs> and they did say that they were working on getting it flight-ready ASAP as well, which will be amazing to see. Why? It's a multi-crew multiplayer ship. Why are they, why are they rushing? I got to um, the middle of the year. Wow. You know, it's March. What's what's the middle of the year? June? You know, it's April. Well, I May. think the middle of the year in software development is September. Uh, that, that's middle of the year service <laughs> pack one, that is. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> middle of the year 1.1. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it might be multi-crew, multiplayer, but Arena Commander 1.1 does have multiplayer in it, as in same ship multiplayer. You can sit in the second seat of the Super Hornet. So, you know, uh, it is in there, and uh, you can go into the free flight mode. Uh, well, speaking of Arena Commander, though, what, what do you guys make of the name change to Star Citizen from Arena Commander? I, I, I'm not very pleased by it. The reason is, is because Star Citizen, to me, tells me that I'm playing a persistent universe game. Arena Commander, to me, was the testing client for all the stuff that they're doing the work on. And if you change the name, I think it gives people the wrong impression that they're playing a finished game. I see where you're coming from, Jeff. But let me let me throw the spin at you and see what see what you think. Star Citizen 1.1 is the first client executable that we're going to have that will contain more than one playing environment. The hangar wasn't really a playing environment. It was just sort of a loading screen, a lobby, the foyer, if you will. And then we also had the sort of arena commander, the in-fiction 
battle area you could go to. Now we're also going to have the Star Marine, the in-fiction first-person shooter area. So now they're, we're seeing the beginnings of the persistent universe here because we do have our lobby and two different places that we can go for gameplay. So I can I can kind yeah, of yeah, but just because that. just because we have more than one place doesn't make it an end game. No, I agree with you. That is that is a confusing thing, and we're missing big chunks of what you need to make the Star Citizen game work, like the social module, vendors, equipment that you can buy and mount on your ship with predictability. I agree with you that it's confusing, but again, are we in alpha? Are we in beta? Is it pre 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 alpha? Is it pre beta? When do we get to gamma stage? Give me some IOTA and some Omega in here for fun. I mean, it, I think that they're justified in doing this, but I agree with you. It is probably going to cause confusion. I think the main issue, though, is that they're calling it 1.1, which would indicate that we've had a 1.0. And like you were saying, they aren't in alpha or beta. There's that whole debate on what exactly this is. The one thing we do know is that this isn't launch. This isn't the finished no. game, like you said. Having a 1.0 and higher designation would indicate, I think, to any newcomer that the game has already been released and we are on patch 1 of Star Citizen version 1. And then when Arena Commander comes out in the middle of the year with an update and that becomes Star Citizen 2.0, it kind of seems a bit weird. If they went for something sub-1, 0.9. Perfect. Exactly. Yes. We're, we're, we're a show about solutions, and you just nailed it right there. Good. 0.1. Bingo. And that fixes, I think, everything. Star Citizen 0.1. It's the first time that they've tested hooking together two areas. Should, does that work for you, Jeff? Does that kind of address it for you? Where, where all that? No, because I'm not. Oh, come on! I, You're just being cranky. I, no, now. because I, I'm not really playing Star Citizen. I'm playing a mock-up or a beta game that is mostly dealing with Arena Commander. I think you're just being cranky. No, I'm not being cranky. I'm I'm trying to be... It, it's okay if you are. That's why we bring you on the show every week. We need a cranky person. Oh, you want me to be an old cranky guy, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we don't want you to be. We're saying you are. Oh, you are. Okay. You're, yeah, you're, I mean, that's... that's you're that well, guy. Well, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not that guy. I'm just, I'm just trying to, <laughs> I'm just trying to elucidate that, uh, you know, that this is probably a confusing step for them, and that we're not going to change their minds for one. And, and going forward, oh, I, it is I, what it is. But I disagree. I think that we should start a, a fan campaign with a hashtag in the whole bit, and to say, no, this is this is Star Citizen 0.1. I think the masses should rise up. And, and make this happen. It should be zero point. Do you have a rousing speech prepared? Because this is what it sounds like it's heading towards. No, I really don't. I just think that it should be zero point one. <laughs> I mean, you know, let's okay. Yeah, let me let's see if I can come up with something like a, a thirty second elevator pitch. To eliminate confusion among game players, game supporters, and game enthusiasts everywhere, in order to properly document the development of this groundbreaking, crowdfunded extravaganza, and to eliminate Jeff's crankiness, we must rename this patch Star Citizen 0.1. Who's with me? I think, actually, you know, we should go the other way. When they first changed it to Arena Commander 0.8, was it, when it was first released? We were insistent that we were not going to call it by that, and then we ended up doing it, of course. So yeah. I think I think we should go with Hangar Patch 18. Yeah, we should go back. We were insistent upon that at some point. The Star Citizen Project has had an interesting life cycle, starting out on Kickstarter, asking for a mere $500,000 so Chris could write a love letter to Wing Commander. And then somehow it became the biggest single crowdfunding thing ever. Along the way, many people have come and gone, but it was, I think it would be fair to say that the community misses no one more than Eric Wingman Peterson. A veteran of the industry and with CIG since the initial beginnings on Kickstarter, Eric left CIG and started his own crowdfunded project where the community could get invested in everything, starting with the name of the studio and growing from there. Fast forward to today and Descendant Studios project is now on Kickstarter for you to back. Named Descent Underground, it promises six degrees of freedom and pulse-pumping action as you combat enemies inside asteroids, otherwise known as STFU. Ships that fly underground. Oh, 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 Eric. Eric. Oh, Eric. Now, this is kind of cool, though. What he's done is he's actually gone to Interplay, who owns the intellectual property for the original Descent game. Yes. And he has he's acquired the rights to reboot that franchise. Cool, because so I, lo- I game, played Descent for like... Oh, I did too. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, I played Descent in college. Oh, yeah. Fantastic game. So he's got the rights to the name and the IP and stuff, and what they're doing is basically a prequel 
to the Descent universe. They're kind of rebooting it and, and going to explain the origins of how the Descent universe came into being. Looks pretty cool. I've backed as of tonight. They are, or they were right before we started recording the show. I think they're up to about 175,000 of their $600,000 goal, and they've only been at it for like two or three days. So nice. Yep, high high degree of probability that that'll be funded. I'll have to get over there and uh, check it out. Lots of reasonably priced backer levels. I think you can get a copy of the game for thirty or thirty-five dollars now. You know, and just and just you know the usual Kickstarter stuff. You know, beta access and a special uh, forum badge on their on their forums. Again, it's a he, Eric took his experience obviously with as many years of game development and his experience with the CIG crowdfunding and took a lot of those lessons learned and built a, a pretty solid campaign over at this new venture of his. And I really think having that IP, you know, Chris's brand was Wing Commander, even though he couldn't use Wing Commander, but Chris is kind of his own brand. But I think the real kicker for Eric is not only does he have his sort of cash as the as wingman, but he got a pretty major studio to give him the intellectual property rights to a, a venerable title that he can attach mm. his name to. So that's pretty great. Yeah, Descent was one of those games that I, I missed out on. I didn't really hear of it until oh, probably a couple of years back, actually. And mm-hmm. I, I just feel it's one of those things where uh, I missed out on what was a, a genuinely really good piece of video game history. So having looked at Descent Underground, I've kind of probably come at it from a different angle of everybody else. I expect a lot of people probably played the original and therefore are really looking forward to a sequel slash prequel because they know what to expect from a Descent game. Me, on the other hand, I haven't. But having said that, the game does look full of really quite exciting... uh, I I don't want to use the word arcade because I think that kind of undersells the six degrees of freedom, but it's definitely not as heavily physics-based as Star Citizen is going to be. And it seems very much like if you want to just dive in and get your quick fix of blowing stuff up, this would be just the game for you yes. and yeah so yeah. i myself i've gone over to kickstarter i've checked it out too i've i've ended up backing the project and yeah all the best to eric and the team because this does look like a really promising title well as well as highlighting descent underground chris also draws attention to crowfall in his latest note from the chairman which is another amazing crowdfunding game now up on kickstarter so head on over we'll put links in the show notes and everybody show your support for the video game makers out there Ten for the Chairman episode 56 has been released, where Chris takes ten questions from the subscribers and let us know the answers that only the man on top can. This week, a couple of things really snagged our attention. Firstly, we learned that if two ships were docked together, for example, two cutlasses, then they would just have to drift in space and won't be able to fire their engines. And secondly, should you get damaged in first-person shooter activities, then you won't be able to fly your ship as well as you would if you were 100% hail. If you, for example, lose an arm, then you'll find that your ship will be a lot slower to respond to your one-armed avatar struggles to do things that those with standard amount of limbs can accomplish with ease. Interesting. Yeah, quite an interesting part from 10 for the Gem there, because I know, Tony, that you've often said that you don't go in for first-person shooter, nope. and that you're in this primarily for a space sim, so yep. how, do, how does this sit with you? Because for me, first-person shooter, getting into the ships, I'm kind of seeing it, you know, that the ship is around my avatar, so naturally if my avatar's damaged, that makes perfect sense, and I'm really looking forward to be able to do this, as opposed to some other MMOs where you kind of turn into the ship, you know, your character becomes the ship, or that sort of thing. Whereas you, I think you kind of would like to see it almost done from the other end, where like your your ship is kind of independent of your FPS activities. So I'm really keen to get your opinions on this. I, I get that the concept is good. I mean, and it and it's true to the game universe as Chris is building it. But I'm not a fan of the first person stuff. And if I'm boarded or if I'm caught in a place where I'm in a first person shooter shooter environment, not of my entire volition. Basically, it, it's it's one of those sort of gameplay choice things. Like, if I make the conscious decision to go into a first-person shooter game and I'm injured, I think that's you know too bad for you. But we've already discussed a lot of various different ways where you can be sort of ambushed in an alleyway or maybe caught in a, an environment where you could get damaged and try to get away. And now my getaway car is hampered because the getaway driver, me, has been injured somehow in this other environment. Eh. I mean, I, I understand why it's consistent in the universe, it just is yet another reason why I really don't want to be involved in any first-person shooter stuff at all in the Persistent Universe. You're going to degrade my fun in the part of the game I do want to play. Well, I'm kind of I kind of like with Tony on this. I'm not a big FPS player except on single-player games where 
I have a little bit more control over the environment and the situation, but I don't do a lot of, you know, online like Call of Duty or Battlefield. Though, I, I one thing that, that struck me when they said lost a limb, maybe we've talked about this or maybe we haven't, is that I wonder if there's going to be cybernetics. The idea that maybe we can enhance ourselves with, with some enhanced limbs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Chris has talked about that on several occasions where that's kind of part of the death clock. You know, if you have so many limbs and you have to get prosthetics attached, it kind of counts towards your death meter. You know, your body can only handle so much punishment. So, you know, that's one of the indications that you have. You know, you're not going to have a counter in the game because that would kind of spoil the immersion. But the number of robotic limbs you have would sort of be a visual indication of the Grim Reaper's got you on his list. And you may not be next, but you're on the page. I wonder why that is, because you would think that those would strengthen you instead of hinder you. Right, but it's your it's your biological body that will eventually expire, and that's the thing that's going to... We can fix you know, that, too. Control whether or not... <laughs> What's that? I said we can <laughs> fix that, too. You can make me stronger, you can make me faster, or is it, am I going to be the six, the six million credit man? Luke, I am not your father. <laughs> Luke, I am your next of kin. When I die, you'll get all my stuff. <laughs> When my death clock reaches zero, you get all my crap and you get to go to my funeral. Here is your father's lightsaber, a more civilized weapon from an ancient time. Also, he murdered 400 children with it. <laughs> uh, cheers, Obi-Wan. Um, what am I going to uh, do with that? Uh, neat! <laughs> yay! Yay. And uh, yeah, the other item in here about the ships, when they dock together, you're not going to be able to fire engines on either one of the ships, and you'll just have to drift along. Obviously, that will lead to a few situations where transferring cargo is probably going to be quite a dangerous thing if you have to gel two ships together. And I raised some questions, especially about with our own intended gameplay as Search and Rescue, and how right. I, I can't quite buy this. And I've seen hundreds of thousands of different sci-fi movies and stuff and you know this doesn't make any sense to me i think it's primarily a problem with the physics system in the game of trying to figure out when there are multiple ship entities of the same uh, caliber for want of a much better term uh, chris did say that if it was something like a uh, merlin docking with a cutlass that will be fine because you know it's within the system of a much bigger vessel equally if you land a hornet on a bengal carrier or something like that you'll be able to use the bigger ones but on the smaller ships like a cutlass to cutlass one of them won't be able to like fire engines and cause them to go into like a retrograde spin or anything of that nature okay so i respond to a mayday and the ship is dead and oncoming is this asteroid it's got, i, I want to you know hook up and push this thing out of the way I bet they'll have some other kind of towing mechanic. Yeah, like tractor beams or something. Yeah, I mean, I think they'll probably have some other way you can do that, accomplish that goal, I'm sure. I mean, yeah, like you know, tractor beam, exactly. I mean, Shiv's, Shiv's 315P has a tractor beam on it right now. It doesn't do anything, but I imagine it, that would be one of the things it could do, is grab a ship and haul it out of the way of, of, of some kind of danger. Yeah, but a tractor beam puts its own kinds of stresses, especially on certain points. I mean, a damaged ship, for example... You, you sure. may not be able to to use the tractor beam because the ship's so damaged. You just uh, grabbing one hole of one end of the ship is going to you know really tear it apart. However, if you gently nudge it, the space being what it is, then the inertia alone could boot that out of the way. Well, I, I, I agree with you, Jeff. I mean, if it's a gameplay decision, I don't I don't like it so much. But I think I think I'm with Lennon on this one. It sounds like it's more like a technological problem where they're trying to model the two different physics systems of the two different ships with the internal gravity and the center of mass and all that kind of stuff and they just don't have the computational horsepower to merge the two independent physical systems into a single united physical system with not just two main thrusters but now four main thrusters and you know not just eight maneuvering thrusters now 16 maneuvering thrusters and every single one of them can fire independently and all these i don't think they have the technological horsepower to make that sort of thing work so i don't think it's a gameplay versus technology sacrifice i think it's a technology versus no technology necessity that they impose this on there and so like when i was saying if you can dock the ship entirely that physical system just disappears it just comes off the server or whatever is no longer modeled is no longer rendered yeah i i, I get that but this i mean they've overcome a lot of things i, I would i would think that for the sake of you understand that that chris has always stated that he's he's aiming for the most realistic universe that he can put together and it would just make sense that that ability should be present all right cig programmers you've got your orders from jeff 
Make this happen. I'm getting cranky. He'll get cranky. He will. Don't make him get cranky. Yeah. You wouldn't like him when he's cranky. All right. Well, to save him from getting too cranky, I feel that uh, we should probably say, and now it's time for news we didn't use. For the next week, you can test fly all flight-ready ships. See your hangar for more info. Inside Cloud Imperium Games, Pedro Camacho. Learn about the artist behind Star Citizen's sweet soundtrack. March Subscriber Player is now in the hangar. Fan Spotlight Fan Fiction, Volume 4. Great stories from the talented community authors. Check it out. This day in history, a foundation of rights, a strong empire begins with a firm foundation. Meet the CIG devs, Justin Binford, QA Manager and Fettuccine Alfredo Officiato. The latest entry into the Galactic Guide, Accelerated Mass Design, creators of the Mustang Omega. And Around the Verse, episode 35, featuring an interview with Jeremy Masker, Director of Game Operations. One other thing that I did want to bring up as well, and I don't usually like to include Reverse the Verse in news we didn't use because most of the time it's not really news. It's like opinion on when things are going to be happening and so forth, and it's entirely off the record. But something that was brought up in the recent episode, in episode 38, was that Wreck will not be in the Persistent Universe when it finally launches. So anybody out there who had any questions as to, you know, will this currency remain? Absolutely not. As soon as the PU arrives, Wreck is gone. Yes, but whatever currency they derive or knowledge they derive from the Wreck and its successors will be in there. Says me. Also, a new patch for the PTU has landed, bringing several fixes for the issues plaguing the PTU build, and uh, probably explaining why we don't have 1.1 in Arena Commander just yet. There's still quite a number of bugs, maybe not showstoppers, but certainly pretty major bugs that I, I think the team would probably want to get a handle on before they push it to the uh, user base at large. So hopefully, guys, you know, take the weekend, take the next week, take as much time as you need, get the issues fixed, and uh, we'll, we'll be Tony, here. We'll Tony, Tony, you said Arena Commander. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Star Citizen. Star Citizen 1.1, excuse me. Hang up, patch 18. Well, now, now hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. The, the patches and the notes, the notes are all about Arena Commander, though. They haven't got any notes on first-person shooter, do they? No, they no, but notes in there? it is being renamed uh, from Arena Commander 1.1. You know, I'm not, I'm not their marketing department. That's not what I do. It's not what I, it's not what I don't get paid for. Speaking of things you don't get paid for, where the f*** is the first-person shooter module? Not in the patch notes. I think we just Yeah, definitely not, not in the patch notes. But I have been wasting a little bit of time this week doing something that I didn't think I'd be doing much of, playing Elite Dangerous. Ooh, what's new? Yeah, it got fun all of a sudden. Right. Now okay. they have, yeah, they, they let you uh, team up now. You can form what's called wings over there now. Wingers? You can form up, yep, wings. You can form up with your buddies and do cooperative gameplay now. So it is, it's a lot of fun now. Elliot, our executive producer, and I spent a couple hours this week flying around. We were able to intercept a couple little raids, kind of a things. You, you, you jump in on wanted criminal people and you blow them up, or you you know come across abandoned cargo containers and stuff like that, and you can scoop them up. So, yep, it's a lot more fun with buddies. If you're an Elite Dangerous fan, it, it just got better. Fantastic. Uh, Jeff, what have you been up to this week? Working. Absolutely working. Ah, uh, one of those times. Yep. I get the feeling he, he's still playing WoW and just not telling us because he doesn't want me to go look up the 12 <laughs> steps. Nope, nope. A little League of Angels, but that's a browser-based game and I don't spend any time on it. But uh, yeah, just work. Poor guy. Get a vacation. Well, this week I've mainly been playing a game called Besieged, which I'm sure you've probably heard a lot about. Oh, yes, already. I have, yes. Yep. I spent way too much time trying to figure out how to make the perfect flying machine and then once i got it i just decided the quickest way to beat the level was just crash it straight into the objective so kind of a bit of a waste of time overall but like they say time you enjoy wasting is not time wasted i didn't know that they said that but that's a good thing to say Uh, they do actually i I believe that was a beatles quote from my namesake so oh okay well i I will i will defer to your greater wisdom in this matter sir i'll just tell everyone that's what it is i don't have no source that that's perfectly fine i mean you you're both british and your name is lennon and so i think we're right to challenge that i i would be sorely sorely mistaken to do so well that brings us to this week's community question we are planning a revamp to our patreon page if you're not already chipping in what would make you jump on board and if you're already donating what else can we do to pry um uh, uh increase the value you're getting for your contribution 
Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post on our show thread over at robertspaceindustries.com. And now that we're all caught up with the latest news from around the verse, it's time to go and learn everything we can about the Aegis lineup in this week's Nuggets for Nuggets. You have all flown before, but you're about to enter a whole new world, so pay attention. That means get on your feet, Nuggets! Hello Spectrum listeners, this is Brill Haxon and we're here live at Abe's Aegis in Terra Prime. Abe's Aegis is your one-stop shop for the entire Aegis lineup. New or used, fast or strong, the dedicated staff here at Abe's can fix you right up. With me today is Marv Bremel, sales manager here at Abe's. Thanks for joining me, Marv. No, it's a pleasure, Brim. I hear you've got some great deals on popular Aegis models this weekend only. That's right, Briv. We've got the lowest prices of the season on the classic Avenger model. Now, I don't have to tell you that this fighter is a favorite of Navy veterans everywhere. And I won't have to, because I brought along my close personal friend and retired fighter pilot, Adiro Voda. That's very kind of you, Darv. Yes, the Avenger is certainly a favorite among Navy veterans in the verse over. And not just because she's a former cop ship. No, the Avenger is great for intercepting and interdiction with strong, reliable hull and bigger engines than you might expect. You know, when you've been in the service as long as I have, you've seen fashions come and go. Did I tell you about the time I flew Zero Dark Raid against the Vandal? I was wearing a golden jumpsuit because it was the fashion of the uh, time. Nadira, that's, that's great, but uh, the Avenger? <clears throat> right, uh, yes. Uh, the Avenger is a former advocacy ship, which makes her great for intercepting, as I was saying. She's sleek, she's sexy, and she's got all the power where it counts, especially with the Sucker Punch cannons they mount right up in the center line. Nothing says hello like an Avenger. I noticed the price on the one out front is super low. <laughs> That's right. The latest model Avengers have just rolled off the production line, meaning we have the 2940 model for the low, low price of just 60,000 UEC. Now, one thing that the military drill into you is that you always need the right tool for the right job. And sometimes you need a ship that will jab your enemies first and ask questions later. The Gladius is an ideal ship. Yes, Madeira, the Gladius is a great little dogfighter that's also ideal as an escort ship. Although an older airframe, she certainly looks good for her age, and I hear that she performs even better. <laughs> Indeed, Trim, she does. One of the staples of the UEE military, and for good reason. Armed with a nose-mounted Gatling gun, bulldog laser repeaters, and a host of missiles, she'll smack the enemy into the middle of next week before you can say, Great deals! Speaking of great deals, we have some crazy low prices on the Retaliator lineup. If I may, Clive. Oh, certainly De Niro. The Retaliator was a ship I served on the longest, seeing action in all fronts of the war. And I tell you, she saved my skin in multiple occasions. Like I was saying, the right tool for the right job. And sometimes getting up close and personal can feel impersonal. So why not write the enemy's name on a missile and send them their way? The Retaliator is the best long-range bomber the Navy supplies, bar none. Uh, yes, Shakiro, it certainly is. And the best news for the shrewd listeners out there is that I hear the civilian version, the bomb bays, have been traded for massive cargo bays. I hear there's enough room in one of these things to park your Mustang. Uh, now, sorry, you were telling us about the Zero Dark Raid against the Vandal earlier. Right, so there I was in a golden jumpsuit, which was the fashion at the time, and suddenly on the horizon appeared two little kings. Well, me and Smitty knew what we had to do. We ducked into the nearest nebula. Luckily, we decided to take the Aegis Vanguard on that patrol that day, as we were scouting out ahead of our main fleet. Oh, the Vanguard, she's impressive. A deep space twin-engine fighter. Yes, twin-engine. When was the last time you heard that about a fighter, Slim? <laughs> Never, and I believe that's because the Vanguard is the only twin-engine craft you can get, ensuring that even in a pinch she can still make it home. And that's not all. She's also twin-seated. Perfect for a radar operator, a gunner, or someone to man that state-of-the-art sensor suite. While some claim she's not as maneuverable as the Gladius or Avenger, the Vanguard is certainly an impressive entry into the Navy's fleet. She plays a vital role, being able to fight in all weather conditions. But of course, we've saved the best for last. Krill, Panera, I want to introduce you to the latest in the Aegis lineup here at Abe's. Never before shown to the public and available exclusively here at Abe's Aegis. Gentlemen, I give you... The Redeemer. Some say she's the next great starship, but I think she's more personal than that. The stunning gunship is a powerful fighter, capable of holding her own in combat with powerful weapons payload. Panera, tell us more. I hadn't realized they declassified it. Well, 
She's full of turrets and missiles, a heavy gunship that's designed to double as an armored landing craft capable of delivering and deploying soldiers on the front line. No matter how heavy the solution, just look at her lines. Her curves. She's... She's... Uh, Apero, are, are you crying? No. Uh, j just give me a minute. Get, the, get that camera out of my face. Camaro! Camaro, don't... Uh... <laughs> well, there you have it. Our, our ship lineup can move a veteran to tears. So, so go on down to Abe's Ages today for the entire Ages lineup. Newer, used, faster, strong. The dedicated staff here at Abe's can fix you right up. That's right. And until next time, from Abe's Ages on Terra Prime, this is Bro Haxton saying, don't fly hard, fly smart. Some say he was bitten by a rabid marmoset while eating a powdered donut, and that the powder consisted entirely of anthrax spores. But all we know is he's called the Shiv, and the Shiv's called in sick, and he didn't put together this week's feedback. We received a couple of questions for the chairman this week. Cashew Matrix, I love that name, says, Question for the chairman, if I am boarding a player's ship, would there be a game mechanic that prevents the other player from jumping in his bunk and rage quitting before I collect my bounty or steal his ship? Patrick, the Patreon patron, says, Can I suggest a question to throw towards Chris Roberts in the next 10 for the chairman? If so, it would go something like this. Hey, Chris, given that it looks like the game engine, CryEngine, is flexible enough to adapt as new technologies come along, when are you going to buy Crytek? See if he doesn't announce it right then and there. No, 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 no. You leave the boring engine development stuff to the other guys, and you just make all the fun parts. The spaceships and the laser beams. Plus, it always gives you someone to blame if things go horribly wrong. Right, that's true. You want you want that. You you want to be yeah. able to pin it on the other guy. But on yeah. the other one, the the uh, the, yes, uh, the cashew matrixes question. Yeah, the rage quitting. Yeah, there's got to be something you can do for that. But the flip side of that is, of course, you know, connectivity. What if it's not rage mm -hmm. quitting? What if the guy's connection just drops? Is I think that most games you'd probably still be in the instance for like a good thirty seconds or so. But it does kind of beg what happens to the ship, though, because if if a disconnect does happen, let's just say it's not rage quitting; it is just a general disconnect. If you are on the other person's ship and that person's ship just disappears, um, are you just yeah, floating yeah, in yeah, space? I, my connection's been up and down. I'm surprised it's held up this long today. And last week it's just been terrible. There once was a game, I can't remember which one it was I played, but it used to suspend you from action, but kept you in the game instance for a good 10, 15 minutes. We could always tell when somebody was either logged out or had just broken connection because there was no interaction with their game avatar. You know, trying to kill them in a PvP mode was just not happening until they logged back in. Or reconnect. Well, the, 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 there's two good sides to this question because one, if you manage to disable the person's ship, you know, so that they can't move anymore, and then you're able to actually board the vessel. I mean, you're most of the way there. If it's that point you decide to, you know, rage quit or to quote lose your connection, it would seem to me like the boarding player would be awarded the ship and and the bounty if there was one on the pilot. But I don't know. It, this is tough. Maybe this, you know this. The fact that we're having this discussion, this much discussion on it, means it's probably a good question. We probably ought to send it up the chain. Well, in general show feedback, Ryokan writes in and says, Another great show. The mount updates. You guys all seem a little bit confused as to what it meant. This change simply means that if you have two mounts of size 3, one fixed and the other gimbaled, the fixed will take a size 3 weapon, where the gimbaled mount will take up to a size 2, which is one less than the mount. It's a bit of a trade-off for the articulation and a reason to use fixed weapons for a little more punch. Ryokin goes on to say, I know Arena Commander is a visible front of Star Citizen at the moment, but I don't think it's correct or fair to the project to view it as a finished product. I now view Arena Commander as more a proof of concept for a lot of systems. Like when I develop my own applications, more often than not my proof of concepts are expanded upon and become the finished product. I love your radio show style skits, one of the things that drew me into the show. See, this is why I think that Arena Commander should stay Arena Commander as part of the, you know, name and not become Star Citizen, because he's absolutely correct. It's a proof of concept kind of sandbox, which they throw things at and then correct or, you know, iterate into the sandbox and build upon more. And as long as people are aware that Arena Commander means this and Star Citizen means that, then I don't think there's any confusion. 
Well, they're they're blurring lines everywhere, and unless they go back to like Lennon. Yes, said, but there a, was a, a copyright case one. that just said that blurred lines was not blurred lines. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that. The, yeah, that's that Marvin. The the state of Marvin Gaye. I'm not talking Robin Thick blurred lines. Okay, okay. That's a, just, it's a catchy tune. Don't get me wrong. They're screwing around with uh, you know the nomenclature of, of video game development, and I think. Unless we do Lennon suggestions, either one of them would be fine, of going to a sub-1 release number or calling it, you know, Beta Patch 18. Now that I could get behind. If they call it Star Citizen Beta or Alpha, and then put something in there that says, look, you are not playing the finished product. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sean Newboy says, wonderful show, everyone. Great job. Daniel Kitzmiller, another patron, says, Great show, guys. As always, glad we could all make it this week. (laughs) (laughs) Well, joke's on you. I'm not really here. Amontillado writes in and says, Really enjoy your podcast every week. I listen on the way home from work on Tuesdays, and it actually makes me look forward to the commute. I particularly enjoy that you have a format with segments that not only target different segments of the Star Citizen community, but also offer stylistic shifts in presentation. It really turns it from being a few guys yakking about Star Citizen into a production. I appreciate the work and the result. Thank you. Well, yes, thank you, sir. But he goes, he's not done yet. Oh. He, not only with the compliments, but but constructive criticism as well. Oh, I like constructive he goes on to say, criticism. Yes, indeed. He says, I do think there's something you can improve upon. The bumper clips between segments are at a higher volume than the segments themselves for the most part. That, coupled with the sometimes squawky nature of the clips, have me quickly reaching for the volume control as I'm riding in my car. On a recent road trip to PAX, I introduced the Guard Frequency podcast to my friend. He very much enjoyed the episode, but I noticed him reaching for the volume controls as well when those clips began playing. Please consider evening out the audio levels there. Thank you, Amontillado, mm-hmm. for, for your constructive criticism. And our audio team, headed by Mr. Rich, will, uh, I'm sure, take your feedback uh, under advisement and yeah. do something about it. Absolutely. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, no, thank you for bringing this to our attention. It is really good. I do like it when the listeners give us feedback on, you know, the actual show itself, not just necessarily the content of the show. So, yep, I will. Uh, hopefully this episode will have slightly better balanced bumper clips. So, yeah, thanks for that. This week, our latest patrons are Tim, Dr. Argon, and Peter. Thanks, guys. A few more weeks like this and we'll be at South by Southwest 2016 for sure. And we're probably going to revamp our rewards and backer perks. So if any of your current or potential backers with suggestions or wish lists, let us know. And this week's winner of Guard Frequency Swag, courtesy of Random.org, is Ben. Thank you for your support. Your stickers are on the way as we speak. Well, as soon as Shiv gets better anyway. And a reminder of this week's community question, we're planning on revamping our Patreon page, so if you're not already chipping in, what would make you jump on board? If you are already donating, what else can we do to pry... We mean to uh, increase the value you're getting for your contribution. Just send us an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post on our show thread over at the Robert Space Industries Fan Sites Forum. So how was the show? Can we call ourselves butter because we're on a roll? Or should we stop borrowing sports metaphors from the 1990s? Either way, let us know. Here are some ways you can get in touch with us. Check out our forum post at forums.robertspaceindustries.com. You can leave a comment on this episode's show notes at guardfrequency.com. You can subscribe to us at feeds.guardfrequency.com or just find us on iTunes. You can hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak or leave a comment and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak. And if you're old school like us, shoot an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback's an important part of what we do, so take a minute. Tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of episode 63 of Guard Frequency. We will be back with episode 64 on March 21st, so be sure to keep an eye out for our shows over at GuardFrequency.com or at the official Robert Space Industries fansite subforum. Please send us your feedback about the show. Aside from all the ways that we just ran down, you can also use the contact form on our website, and all of the details for all of the ways you can get in touch with us can be found in the show notes. Do you like what we do? Want to come help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? If so, just send a note to squawk at guardfrequency.com. And if you just can't get enough of spaceship podcasting, why not check out our sister production, Priority One? They cover Star Trek Online and the greater Star Trek universe. Just go to priorityonepodcast.com. Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? Well, check out our organization, Guard Frequency Response, at the official RSI website, robertspaceindustries.com forward slash orgs forward slash guardfreak. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights, then you should really come and join us live over at guardfrequency.com forward slash live. We start recording around 8.30 p.m. Central. That's Saturdays at 1.30 a.m. GMT. 
We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to community manager Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, our artist Simon Trollton Edwards, and our assistant audio engineer Michael Duncan. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit RonaldJenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. Simon Trollton Edwards and our assistant audio audio engineer. Engineer, is that anything like a wingabanger? He's he's like a wingamanga. He's like an audio wingamanga engineer. Go to bed, all of you small people. A few more weeks like this, and we'll be at S X S W twenty sixteen version. Good lord, man, you truly are immortal and ancient. <laughs> South by Southwest. All right, S X S W. You dead whippers nebbers. Uh, you don't have <laughs> you don't have to put it there Lenny. Yeah, he did it on do. purpose he's he's ruining our show <laughs> he's not Canadian sorry he's, I he's, get you guys confused it's a wonderful thing do you also know what else is a wonderful thing Google not signing me out of the documents midway through a show that would be that'd great that'd be great Google if you're listening you. Should I, yeah. Should I prepare a rousing speech for that too? In yeah, order to get us one. through the show <laughs> without having to relog, to uh. to prevent Jeff's crankiness and Lennon's desperation. Along the way, many people have come and gone, but it'd be fair to say that there were none who were. Oh, okay. It's quite British, isn't it? Who wrote that? It is. It is quite British. There are yes. many. There are many commas and very, very few periods and and Full many stops, small words sir. jumbled together. Women have periods. Sentences have four stops. Yeehaw! <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait, wait, wait. Somewhere uh, between, oh, come on. somewhere between, way too British and South Texan. <laughs> there's this happy medium. Okay, North well, we Dakota. Can, uh, we <laughs> no, they call that they call Kansas, that Missouri. Really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Missouri would work too. Kansas, Missouri, they're right next to each other. That, 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 that would that would okay okay. What? Oh, am I, am I okay? No, nothing else. No one, no one wants to argue with me. No one wants to no. take me on. No, no, no. Okay. No, it's right. it's it's kind of like you know watching paint dry. It gets entertaining in the first instance, but once you've done it for sixty three shows, you just think, yeah, I'll leave it. <laughs> and this is from a guy that likes my opinion. And you Imagine call me cranky. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I'm allowed to be cranky because Lennon's really cranky.